All right, here we go, my friends. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word together. Mark chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus has been teaching them. Now he's going to show it to them. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? <laughs> yes. He got up, brushed himself off a little bit, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This, my friends, is God's word to us today. Go ahead and grab a seat. Have you ever had a moment where you, you, there was something that you knew you should do, needed to do, wanted to do, but you allowed fear to hijack you and get in the way of doing what you wanted to do? Have you ever had a moment like that? I was, uh, there was a girl I had a crush on and my mom came up with a crazy idea. Now, I don't recommend this solution to that situation, but nonetheless, here it is. And she had this idea. She's like, hey, uh, and she spelled it out for me, and all I know is by that night, I was walking up to this girl's front door, and it was Valentine's Day, and I had a bag of chocolates, a stuffed animal, and uh, a card to let her know how we felt. My mom was determined, I don't want you to be afraid to make your feelings, and I want you to be able to let someone know how you feel. Here we go. And so this is what she came up with, and there I was. I was walking up there. I had my La Tigre shirt tucked into my OP shorts, <laughs> and to put cherry on top, I had my, you know, had my, my thick socks pulled up to my knees with the, with the stripes. I was feeling so good. I was feeling fly. <laughs> I was. I was feeling good. And I walked up to that door. And I said a quiet prayer. God, if you're out there, I wasn't a Christian at the time. God, if you're out there, please let somebody else answer the door. <laughs> I did. I, rem I will never forget this moment. I can still remember the smell of the, of the flowers in the front yard. I walk up to the door, open the screen, knock on the door, and who opens the door? Her sister. I'm like, there's a God. I was, yes, deliverance. And I said, hey, uh, she was like, can I help you? This is for Cheryl. And she's like, she just says, oh my gosh, this is so cute. She turns and she shouts to her sister, Cheryl, come to the door. Someone has something for you. And I see Cheryl in the distance, making her way to the door, squinting to see me. Now, these are one of those moments that are def a defining moment in our life, you know, those moments where we either rise to the occasion and we just get a little bit stronger in our life, or you do what I did, and I dropped the bag and I ran. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. I ran. <laughs> Waving at my mom, mom, 
Now, I come from a Mexican family, my mom. So when Mexican families do things, they do it together. So my whole family rolls up in that 80s white Volkswagen van. The van doesn't stop, it keeps moving. My brother slides the door open, and while it's moving, I jump in, we slam the door shut, and we peeled out. Yes, thank you, thank you, yes. Uh, it's quite unbelievable, maybe more unbelievable than this story, but it is true nonetheless. Uh, I think we all can relate to fear, and those moments where fear in funny comedic ways, but in really serious ways, hijacks us and keeps us from doing what we set out to do, things that we need to do, things that we were made to do. And that's where we find the disciples on the sea this night. As much as uh, the disciples wanted to trust Jesus, they find themselves in a storm of fear. The Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide. It's 12 miles long. Eight miles wide at its widest point. Think about that when you think about trying to row across that thing. Now, it's 700 feet below sea level, one of the lowest points on earth. Yes, the Sea of Galilee sits 700 feet below sea level while the mountains around it sit thousands of feet around it. Can you picture the scene? It is, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by these towering mountains and hills with a really exaggerated, depressed um, position, and it creates a perfect wind tunnel. And it's why a storm can suddenly come over those mountains and whip through that place and send the entire lake into a frenetic frenzy of wave and wind. The disciples grew up on this lake and made their careers on it. They're experienced, hardened fishermen, and they are overwhelmed, in over their head, and terrified for their life. Yet they find themselves in a storm that is not of their choosing and not of their making. This is not a situation they chose to put themselves into. Do you remember how they got out there? Look at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. There are three kinds of, generally, three kinds of storms in the world. There are storms of circumstance. Circumstances you didn't choose, but they chose you. They're not because you did something wrong. It's because you're alive in a world that's full of storms. Like me, sitting at a traffic light, our family's had four car accidents. This last week, I'm sitting at a red light and a woman hits me from behind. I am just sitting there. I did nothing to deserve it. I just got hit. Boom, that happens. That happens. There are storms of consequence, storms that do happen because we've made poor choices in our life. Um, you know, storms where we overcommit ourselves in our schedule and a storm of anxiety sweeps into our lives because we're overcommitted. That's something we've chosen for ourselves. And then there's storms because of calling. That's the disciples. They are in that storm because Jesus told them, we're going to the other side. And there are going to be moments in our life where precisely because you are following Jesus, you're going to go into the eye of a storm that is not incidental or accidental, but because you are a follower of Jesus. You see, Jesus had an assignment from his father. The disciples didn't know about it. You don't maybe not know what it is, but next week we're going to see what's on the other side of that lake. But for the time being, the father has an assignment for his son, and he gives Jesus a divine assignment. And in this moment, Jesus is teaching 
his disciples how to follow through with God assignments, even when it means we've got to go through a storm to get to the other side. Because my friends, if you choose to follow Jesus, you're going to go into storms. And in those storms, you're going to be tempted to think, oh, this means I shouldn't be here. This, mean, this is because I made a mistake. This is because God doesn't love or care about me, as we'll see. No, you're there because God wants to take you through that storm to get you to the other side. And that's where we find the disciples. These moments are moments where we feel out of our depth. We feel in over our head, coming face to face with doubts about ourselves, doubts about one another, and doubts even about God. The thing is that Jesus is not a storm uh, fanatic, right? He's not like some kind of storm junkie where he just loves to get in over his head and go, yeah, the storm, you know, this is so exciting. He's not an adrenaline junkie. You know anyone like that? They love to put themselves in crazy situations and freak out how hard it is. I'm like, but didn't you choose to do that? You know what I mean? Some of us are just adrenaline junkies. Jesus is not. Jesus is more like the firefighters on September 11th running into the place that everybody's running out of. Do you remember the scene? Do you remember that? He is like the police officer running into danger where everybody's running from. He is like a junior high teacher going into her classroom every weekday morning. <laughs> well, he is like the father going into the room to change the diapers, like the mother going into, well, everything. <laughs> See, there are things that God has called us into and it means sometimes we've got to go through a storm to get there to the other side and we're challenged and we start doubting the assignment that God has given us. Assignments like sharing our faith, assignments of loving one another till death do us part, but wondering because we're in a storm of conflict in our marriage, we start to wonder, is, should I really be in this marriage? Did God call me here? Is this, what's going on? And we, get, we start losing faith and we start assuming the worst about the other and ourselves, and we start doubting the whole thing. We find ourselves with assignments in our parenting. We find ourselves with assignments from God in our careers to assume responsibility that causes us to question if we have what it takes. Can I raise that money? Can I lead this organization to a new place, you know, or a new area of ministry? You, where is that for you? Has God ever given you an assignment where you felt you were in over your head? Come on now. Let me just say gently, if your answer is no, man, the Lord wants to wake you up to follow him. Because some of us, without realizing it, have been walking away from God every time things start getting hard. But he wants to show us what will happen if we let him lead us through these storms and how we're going to be transformed. And we're going to know him. We're going to know Jesus in a way that nothing else can help us get to. And we're going to see. So that's what we're talking about today. Our message is about this. Jesus is going to show us how to face these storms so that our faith doesn't wither, but rather grow stronger. And our faith can rise and meet the challenges before us. Are you with me? Could you use that kind of strength in your soul today? Come on now. Here we go. So the, what's, what's Jesus have to teach us? The first thing that Jesus does, you're going to love Jesus. He goes into a storm. Everyone's fearing for their life. What does Jesus do? He does what he loves to do. He takes a nap. There's the lesson. Done. Sermon, done. 
I mean, you look at this moment, you're like, what is he doing? So let's, let's peel back the layers. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. All right, so what's going on here? Well, we know what's going on for the disciples. I totally relate to the disciples. Do you ever have a moment where you're in over your head and you're kind of like, where's God in this? You know, where is God? And the disciples echo our question. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Can you relate to that feeling? Come on now. Don't you care if we drown? See, here's the thing. When we are worried, we want other people to worry with us. Isn't that the truth? It's a little harder when someone wants to encourage us. You're like, come on now, I'm getting my worry on. You know, I am fighting for the right to worry. This can be our theme song where people come to encourage us and breathe faith into us, and we would rather they worried with us. When they look at Jesus, he's not worried. What's he doing? He's sleeping. Naturally, we want people to worry with us because why? It's comforting. Number two, it's easier sometimes to cling to our worry than to surrender it and open ourselves to a new way of seeing the situation. Now, when we look at Jesus in him sleeping, there's a couple of ways we can look at that moment. We could look at it like he doesn't care, or we could look at it like he's just not that worried about it. Now, what's easy here is to do what the disciples do, and that is assume the worst. He is sleeping because he doesn't care. And don't we do that when we're worried, when we're upset, when we're facing a challenge? We want everyone else to worry with us. And when they don't, we kind of assume the worst about them. Because when we're afraid, we're tempted to assume the worst about one another and about God. I remember Mark Foreman sharing with me about how when people were stirred up with the political climate and the fear people had during that season, how people started to project that fear into him. And because he wasn't worried the way they were worried, they started to assume the worst, that he didn't care, that he wasn't politically engaged enough, that he was going liberal, and they made him their enemy. And that's what fear does. It makes the ones around us that we should be able to lean into our enemies. We find that happening in our marriages where we stop assuming the best in one another because they're not showing care the way we want them to show care, the way we feel entitled to, as if everyone should be able to read our mind and know what we need. Can you relate to that? gosh. And they look at Jesus, and Jesus is just sleeping, and he's resting. We could look at it like he doesn't care, but what if there's another option? What if Jesus is trying to show us a counterintuitive way of responding to those storms in our life, and we want to just try harder and grit it out? Jesus is saying there's another way, because that's what we're tempted to do, isn't it? Just try harder. We either want to fight try harder or run away from our problem and hide from it, fight or flight. But Jesus has a different way, and he is teaching us how to rest. What does it look like to rest in a storm when we're facing problems? It's the last thing you think you can do. Naturally, we're going to stay up later. We're going to work longer. We're going to try harder. But Jesus has a different way. Check this out. Isaiah 30, verse 15 this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your what? Your strength. 
It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like you're getting stronger when you rest in a problem because our confidence generally comes from our own effort and what we can do to solve a problem. I'm not talking about passivity or avoidance. Jesus is not in denial, as we see uh, all the way through the Gospel of Mark. If there's someone sick, he's bringing healing. If someone's paralyzed, he's bringing forgiveness. He's getting to the spiritual root of the issue, and then he's bringing healing. He's not one to over-spiritualize things. He just sees through the problems to the real core of the problem. Now, this is an invitation for us. When we are caught in an anxious frame of mind, we want others to join us. When others are in an anxious frame of mind, they want us to join them, to get anxious and fearful with them. But Jesus is showing us how not to get caught in that trap, how to pull back to rest and to quiet ourselves so that God's strength can come into our life. Is there an area of your life right now where you could use some of that strength? Anyone here got an area of your life where you need God's peace in the midst of a problem, where you need faith in the midst of fear? If you've got a situation like that, raise your hand right now. Let's just get honest with God. you got an area of your life, come on, put it up there. We're not ashamed, right? Jesus didn't come to save a bunch of fearless people. He came to save the fearful. Okay, thank you. Now listen, I want to just approach this differently. I want to pray for a minute over those issues right now. Okay, we're going to recite this scripture, but instead of your, your salvation, your strength, let's say my, let's personalize it, and we'll stop right there at strength. Ready? Okay, here we go. Let's say it out loud. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is my salvation in quietness and trust is my strength. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just want to right now in Jesus' name pray, Lord, you would silence every voice of fear and anxiety that is gripping people's lives right now, causing people to doubt that, God, you care and to question your goodness and your presence right now. I command that spirit of fear in Jesus' name to leave and get out of their life, and to never come back. And I just pray now, Lord, may the peace of Christ fill your hearts in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Jesus is so good at this. He's just like, I don't just like be still, I sleep. That's Jesus' style. Don't you love Jesus' style? This guy is so dripping with style. I mean, man, when everyone is freaking out, this guy just, he's like, man, I just sleep. I just rest. And I want to talk to you about a couple ways you can do that. Number one, I want to talk to you about the Sabbath. I want to encourage you, have you ever considered a Sabbath for your life? The idea of 24 hours of no work. All right? Now, trust me, I know. I know, you know, you've got your reasons why you could never do that. And certainly the disciples had reasons why there's no way anyone should be sleeping in a storm. But the idea of a Sabbath is the idea of resting from work so that we can be renewed in our confidence that our productivity doesn't come from our own effort. It comes from the grace of God. So we're living a life not in pursuit of productivity, but of fruitfulness. Because you start to be reminded when you Sabbath 
that your fruitfulness comes from abiding in the vine, not in your own work. And there's a freedom that comes from that. There's a state of mind that comes from that. Let me give you an example. Uh, I didn't finish this sermon by the end of Friday. Now, Fridays are my Saturday, but this was a very busy week. And so I was working on it on Friday, and I didn't finish in time. And I had to decide what to do. Do I work on Saturday? Saturday's my Sabbath. I rest in the Lord. I got to tell you guys, I was painfully tempted. And it was so tempting, I had, I, had, I, had, I had stress. I was stressed about it. And I started talking to my wife. And you might be saying to me, Ryan, wouldn't it be easier and less stressful just to work? Why are you stressing yourself out? Just work on the Sabbath. Isn't that the counterproductive? Isn't that counterintuitive? And I was like, you know, um, you see, once you give up that day, then it's more and more. The spirit of busyness never has enough. It's insatiable. And I, my wife held me accountable, and I took the day off. And I just replenished myself in the Lord. I just got my eyes on Jesus. I refocused. He, got, he refocused me on his goodness and spent time with my family. So Sabbath. Walter Brueggemann had this to say about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes. It's at the very end. Yeah, the pause that refreshes, it is the pause that transforms. I got another idea for you. What if you and your spouse go to bed together for a week? Now, I know. I know. That's the craziest thing I've said all morning. <laughs> I know. I want you to consider it. Not as a burden, but as an invitation. What if, I know you've got your reasons. You're not a night person. Or you're not a morning. You're a night person. You got work. But if there's a week where you're in town together and you're in the same house, that you would commit one week of going to bed at the same time together. Just try that. And resting together. Just see what happens. All right. Ryan, yeah. You say it again. You say it again. Oh. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> Okay, I, uh, well, you know, hey, now, now, you know, I'll say it again, but I will say if you. Yes. I took Saturday for my family. All right, thank you. Thanks. Thanks. No, no, I appreciate you. I love that, actually. I would have all you guys shouting out every Sunday if I could. Uh, I prefer it. Um, yeah. It did. She asked, did my message come anyways? Yeah, I had to get up a little earlier this morning. But God's faithful. There's power in resting in the Lord. And that sets us up for point two. The second one is only possible when we, get, when we have entered into a spirit of rest. Jesus helps the disciples refocus. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, isn't that kind of annoying? It's like, duh, we could die. You know, haven't you had anyone ask you, what are you so worried about? You just want to just get them. It's like, oh my gosh. Uh, it's a funny question, don't you think? Why are you so afraid? I, I don't think Jesus is being rhetorical. In other words, I don't think Jesus is saying, what's wrong with you? Why are you afraid? I think Jesus is means not to be rhetorical, but reflective. I think he's trying to help the disciples reflect, why are you afraid? And refocus their attention. Because when we're going through a storm, our attention 
gets fixated on the problem. And when our focus gets fixated on the problem, we lose sight of the presence of God in our life. Because in the end, it's not about the problem, it's about the presence, the presence of God. And naturally, our fight or flight wants us to fixate on what the problem is. But when we do that, we lose our peripheral vision. Literally, our focus gets so narrow, we lose sight of God who is in the boat with us. And he is in the boat with you. And that's what Jesus is trying to get to. He's trying to redirect their attention from the problem to him. Why are you afraid? Do you still not have faith? And I don't see that as a condemning moment with the disciples. I see that as an invitation. Why are you afraid? Do you still not trust me? The Lord just drawing us to himself. How many times has he shown up for you? Think of the problem you're in. How many times has the Lord come through for you? How many times? Come on, come on. I was sitting with my wife the other, yesterday. I didn't share this in the morning service, but she's like, can you think of the times you've preached in the past where the Lord brought you the message, even in the final hour? I'm like, oh gosh. It's like countless. And I just was thinking about it. And I could feel as I shifted my focus to him, my faith started to grow stronger. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's different than I can do all this with his strength in me. No, 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 no. What he's saying, what Paul's saying is, look, when you approach a problem and you look at a problem, you look at it through Jesus. Jesus stands between you and any problem that you have. And when you are looking at that problem through him, you're going to see it differently. You're going to be transformed. And sometimes we look at problems through our own cunning and ingenuity and problem solving. We look at it through the strength of our will. I can just work harder. I can work longer. I can just run and have more fun. I don't need to face this situation. I don't need to look at it with Jesus. I have an escape plan. I have a parachute. I can just, and we have our escape mechanisms. For some of us, it's fighting. And for others of us, it's escaping and running away rather than looking at the problem through Christ. When you face your challenges and you look at it through Jesus, and that is simply, okay, Lord, I'm not looking at this with you. I'm looking at this without you. I want to look at this through you. There's this guy in my life. You don't know. I won't get too specific, but he's in my life, not here at the church, out there in my world. And man, this guy does not like me. I'm telling you, he does not like me. We got, he got into a shouting match with me, got really upset. This dude is bummed. And uh, the other day, I had a moment where I'm like trying to find my way into this guy, you know, and I see him and I smile and he just ignore me or whatever. And it was starting to get me bitter. I was getting, oh, this guy, because I can't, I have to run into him every week. And I just started to look at him differently through Jesus. This is what I did. I'm walking in my car and I just pictured Jesus with him. This is what I did. I pictured him standing in front of Jesus and just looked at Jesus's, the way that he looked at this man. And man, it just started to shift my heart towards him. I'll tell you, it'll change you. Through Jesus, not around him, not above him, but through him. 
And lastly, and that sets us up, if we are willing to rest and get quiet and allow Jesus to refocus our attention on him, then we're ready for the third. And that's where Jesus renews their faith. Verse 41 says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I got to ask you, they've been with Jesus now, scholars guess, 18 months by the time this moment happened. 18 months they've been sleeping with him, eating with him. Why are they asking who he is at this point? You know, it kind of makes you wonder. And that's because we know there's more than one way to know somebody. There's a, I know who you are because I saw you last week. I know who you are because you're my friend. But when, man, there's, a, there's deeper levels of knowing. And then there's the way that I, I know my wife, who I've been with for 20 years. I just know her differently than how I knew her when I first met her. There's different levels of knowing. And the disciples are being invited to know Jesus at a deeper level. Why? Let me show you why. What's happening here? When they see Jesus calm the storm, watch what Jesus is doing. In Psalm 107, verse 29, in describing God, the psalmist says this about God. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Okay, let's try again. Psalm 89, 9. It says this about God. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up, you still them. You getting it? Let's try again. Psalm 93, 4. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Do you see what he's doing? The only way they're going to see this about Jesus is going with him into the storm. My friends, there's no other way. There's no other way. And when we go into the storm with Jesus, we are going to see him in a way we never saw him before. You're going to see him. You're going to see him. What are we seeing here? We're seeing the presence of God that is in Christ, the divinity of Jesus. We're seeing his divine nature. We're seeing him at a depth and in a way that no other experience can open our eyes to. God wants to lead us to the other side, but sometimes we've got to go through storms so that we can see who he really is because what's on the other side is going to need our faith to be a little bigger, to be a little stronger so we know who we're going to the other side with, and we'll see next week why. But when we go with Jesus into those storms, when we don't run, we don't fight, and we trust him, our vision of Jesus is going to get bigger. Some of us don't know this about Jesus. We don't know him this way. But let me share an example. I was um, in, a, in a camping trip with a bunch of guys going. We were at UCSD. And part of the camping trip um, had this sort of 24-hour solo where you camped alone by yourself. Now, uh, anybody else here a little bit afraid of that idea? Okay, am I not the only one? But the idea of sleeping alone in the Sierra Nevada mountains freaked me out. And I had figured out I'm going to find my friend and we're going we're gonna to work it out. And so there I am, night is coming and I'm a new Christian and I start to read the gospel of Mark. No joke. And I read this story and I have an, kind of an embarrassing moment. I kind of laugh at the disciples. I go, those guys are such idiots. 
If I had you in my boat, Jesus, I would not be afraid. No, I literally said this. This, this, yeah, this is me. And I had this thought come across my mind. Then why are you getting your friend tonight? And I thought, oh, that's a weird thought. And I tried to ignore it. I tried to just push it aside. And because uh, I had my plan and the thought kept coming back through the day. And I started to think, realize that this is maybe not my thoughts because I'm arguing with myself. And I start to argue with God. Well, they could see you. I can't see you. And then this other thought comes into my thoughts. Am I any less real because you can't see me? And now you know, now I'm done. Now I'm in a crisis. Now I'm trapped. And it's this moment God's given me an invitation. Hey, do you want to join me? This is not a burden. This is not an obligation. You see, this moment of inviting us to the other side is not a burden that God puts on us. It's an invitation where the Lord wants to bring us into his work so that he can show us what our hearts long to see which is the nearness and the truth of who he is. That he is our God. And then no matter what fear comes into our life, he is going to drive it out with his love. So that night, I decided to take his, him up on his offer. And the night started encroaching. I started getting kind of freaked out. And I just prayed. I just prayed a simple prayer. It was nothing fancy. I said, Jesus, I'm here because you got me into this. I need you to show up and give me peace. I had one of the most powerful personal encounters with Jesus I've ever had in my life. The night still came. The animals were still there. I woke up at two in the morning, I don't know, something like that, and there was an animal in the bush. But I was in such a state of peace, I thought it must be a squirrel. Who cares? And I went back to sleep. I was so at peace. I have never felt peace like that. And I will never forget that moment with the Lord. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I want to bite the band out. Listen, let me just wrap it up with this. Jesus has assignments for you, and we think it's because God needs us to do those assignments, or God will be lost without us. And I, I got to tell you, that's not the case. God gives us assignments because in following him through those storms that we face to get to the other side, God is coming after the storm that's in our hearts. And that storm is real, and it is a storm of doubt and fear that in the end, we are in this life alone. And that it is all up to us. And some of us right now are still convinced that we're smart enough, we're good looking enough, we're rich enough, we have enough energy, we're funny enough, and we can get through it on our own. But my friends, every one of us is going to come to a moment if we're blessed, if we're fortunate enough by the grace of God to come to the end of ourself and it's in that moment we come face to face with the storm that's in here, the fear that we're all on our own. Where in your life is the Lord bringing that fear up, not to humiliate you or drown you, but he's bringing it up because he wants to replace your fear with faith.
Where is that for you? As we go into this song, I want to invite you to bring that before God. I just want to share one more story before we go. I want to share a story that I think some of us need to hear in this room because for some of us, that storm, it just feels too big. It, it's, it feels like who has the right to call for my trust in the face of death? Jesus on the cross earned the right to look at us in the face of death itself and say, why are you afraid? Nobody else could do that. Only Jesus. I had a very close friend visit me yesterday and he is fighting the storm of cancer with his 18-year-old daughter. And uh, she was diagnosed with cancer a couple years ago and he has been praying for healing and they have seen these tumors disappear to the point where doctors can't explain, I don't know what happened, they're gone. Only maybe months later to return. And the doctors are like, we don't know how to explain it, we don't know what's happening. And I asked him like, how do you carry that? This is what he said. He said, I don't know what the future holds. And I've had to surrender that future and I've had to surrender my daughter to the Lord and trust that his love is bigger than my love and is bigger than anything that that future holds. And so I don't live in fear of the future anymore because whatever it is, I trust that my father and her father's love is big enough, even if that means this cancer claims her life. I'm not sharing that to be emotional, to tug in your heartstrings. I'm sharing that because some of us need to hear that invitation this morning. You are in the fight of your life. And Jesus, because he went to the cross, has earned the right to look at even death itself and say, you don't need to be afraid. Come to me. And I'll get you through this. It doesn't mean we know how the future is going to turn out. It just means that we know no matter what comes our way, there is a love that's going to drive out that fear and it's going to win. Because in the end, Jesus has already won. And he will win for you. He will win for you. And he wants to bring you into the rest and the peace of that win. There's no shame in admitting there's fear in your life. But you don't have to stay in it. He wants to invite you to trade your fear for a new wind of faith in your life, a new breath of fresh air. Could you use that? If you need a fresh, a new breath of faith where there's fear, just raise your hand right now, and I'm going to pray for you. For some of us, it might be an area where you're facing a problem where you need faith. For others, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, and it's like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. You're my Savior. Raise your hand. Put your hand up, and we're going to pray for you. And as you raise your hand, you're just admitting, God, I need you. And I'm reaching out to you. You're not doing this for me. You're doing this as a sign of faith between you and God. God, I'm, I'm reaching out to you, God. I need you to replace my fear with a fresh move of faith in my heart. All right. Do you see someone with their hand up? Put your hands up. Would you, just put a, would you put a hand on their shoulder real quick? 
Come on, put a hand on their shoulder. Let's pray for these dear ones. Now put your hands out like this. You put your hands up. Let's do this. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus. All right, come on now. We're going to do this. Do this right. Let's just say the name. Lord Jesus. I invite you to replace my fear with faith. There's no shame in admitting I'm afraid. But you died on the cross to free me from that fear. Fill me with new faith. Help me to see you in my life where I have not seen you before. Help me to hear your voice where I have not been hearing your voice. I need your help, Lord. I have no one else. Come to my rescue. You alone are my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give a round of applause for those guys. Praise God, you guys. Um, do we have a prayer team? Okay, prayer team, come on up. And uh, hey, if you raised your hand and did that, can we just pray for you before you go? Maybe that takes a little bit of courage to come up here, but let us pray for you so the moment isn't just an emotional moment, it sticks and grows. And before you go, one last thing, uh, it's Connect Sunday. Maybe to get to the other side and help others feel like this is their home church too. You can get through the storm of your fear of people or fear of awkwardness. And maybe just greet three people. Three people. Can you just, three? Just three people. If you can reach out, welcome them. You can help three people feel like this is their home. They can make this their church on Sundays. What an impact you could make on helping others feel like they belong here. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. See you soon.